All right, guys, welcome back for another podcast. This week, we kind of have a new uh, iteration here at Tuesdays with Caroline. So here we go. Now you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, new intro. There we go. That was yeah. a good one. And yeah. uh, special uh, guest, probably recurrent now. Yeah. Look at that. Dr. Caroline. You're yeah. not just a still image. Now. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, you don't yeah. get to see Janessa's puppies anymore unless I bring one in for real. It was, yeah, it was. It was sheep. No. No. <laughs> okay. no. It was Janessa's it was puppies. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't pay attention. <laughs> yes. You're an audio guy. Yeah. I get yeah. it. I get yeah. It. Yeah. Then when they say, um, yeah, I got a face made for radio. Is it? You know, <laughs> but I'm gorgeous though. So, it's nice. so. <laughs> anyway, so here we are um, back for another one. So uh, kind of doing this a little bit on the fly, but um, uh, wonderful to have you here, Caroline. And uh, more importantly, a full-time part of the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like day two. Yeah. Yep. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was so weird too because like whatever one was Tuesday night when I went to sleep, I was like laying in bed and my heart just like oh. and I was like, what is happening? It's not I'm like I know where I'm I know what I'm doing. Like I I like it's not like a this, new new like brain. Right. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> this is not new. <laughs> but it but just full mm-hmm. full flutters. Yep. Did, yeah. I slept like four hours that night yeah like, i'm pretty sure well what is it like uh uh excitement jitters i don't I, know yeah it's fine don't know probably both yeah i think i texted you something that was like the perfect like i spelled it out well but i couldn't remember yeah. what it was now it's yeah it's certainly possible it was like excitement mixed with impending doom yeah yeah <laughs> And then I told Katie yesterday, like, it's a good thing that you didn't tell me we were doing surgery because I would have been like twice as nervous. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, I mean, I think there's, there's several parts to it there. So the last several podcasts, what we've been talking about is uh, we made our way through the star chart. Um, uh, Star chart basically has those like three axes, uh, six different poles, and it talks about potential um, performance and competency, clarity, consistency, and confidence. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the six things there. It's in the education system packet uh, online. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like all those things, right? So when we start talking about being star players or even problem child, it's like when you're hired on to a new job, is we, we have the absolute expectation of categorically you being a problem child. So problem mm. child by definition is incredibly low performance, right. but high potential. Yeah. So the investment is in the potential. Yeah. So when you kind of look at how those axes turn, um, I think, you know, to, to then say, well, this person may be more confident, but they're actually not very competent. So that kind of puts them at a little bit, we refer to as a role risk, yeah. you know, uh, on the other side of that coin then is when you start to have really low confidence, but it's like, man, you can fucking do this job, yeah. you know, so it's well, cultural you, risk. You know? I'm guessing ideally you want them to be like the same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ideally. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it is one of those where, you know, I think, um, 
there's a lot of backstory. So I think regardless of how um, people come on to a new team, there's always some type of story that got them there at that time. Mm -hmm. So is this a first year veterinary student, you know, a graduate, so first year graduate. So, you know, what is their backstory? Well, probably not a ton of experience. Millennial you know. life crisis. Millennial life crisis. <laughs> You're, you are spot on. Yes. We actually, we did bring that up. We wanted to bring that. Was that one of those last it? podcasts? I did. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we didn't was, dive into it. Though. We didn't really jump into mm -hmm. it, but yeah, it was the uh, on a resume you have to have five years experience as a first year grad, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, um, but, uh, but but I mean, there's there's a lot of truth to that, um, and actually, one of the things that I um, kind of want to address actually has to do because it, it does kind of play a little bit into you coming into the organization. Yeah. Is it's actually the question that we got from uh, one of our viewers. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got it there. Yeah, I do. I got to read it real quick so yeah, I can yeah. summarize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, because oh, okay. I'm gonna do all from memory. Botch half of it and only talk <laughs> about the things I want to talk about, which will probably happen anyway. Yeah. However, uh, but so again, we'll see how it relates to you coming into a new job. But we'll, we'll play okay. both sides of the fence here. Yeah. So this was from a MSU CVM student, um, basically um, talking about the concept of when I go into clinic, um, how will I be good enough, or will I be good enough? And kind of that insecurity in um, and, and personal belief, that sort of stuff. Uh, she says that she struggles to with comparing herself to her classmates and has very little experience um, and, you know, just not as comparatively to herself, but also to her classmates um, and kind of like, how do you deal with just a, number one self doubt, but yeah. also a legitimate lack of experience and how do you kind of regain that ground? Yeah. There's one, um, can you pull that up one more time? Cause there's one very, very specific sentence that um, mm -hmm. you might have to, uh, kind of bleep out here for me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm 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 going to read this verbatim. Um, just just so because I, I, this is something that I uh -huh. know that you struggle with. So it's like, hey, I saw your post for ideas on podcast. Um, maybe an idea that could be spoken about our general insecurities to vet students. Like, will I be good enough? Um, or even about insecurities about having less experience in clinics compared to other students. For me personally, I struggle with comparing myself to my classmates as I have very little experience in clinics and I'm not as experienced as them. So it's, uh, again, so like you said, it's kind of this self doubt mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm going to say this, uh, and I, I wholeheartedly stand behind this statement. Um, and I'm, we're going to go and talk about explaining kind mm -hmm. of my justification for it. And it's not necessarily to disparage one, uh, from engaging your classmates or whatever, but it, when you're talking about comparing yourself to other people, um, my only real answer to that is fuck them. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, you know, the, I think what I have learned again, I, I, um, I don't want to, of course, dominate the conversation, but let's have the long answer. Mm -hmm. So the long answer is I think over all the years that I've been a practicing veterinarian, uh, again, it's been a relatively short time as practice ownership, but I think what has set me apart in my own personal life um, and the way that I believe myself to be successful and on a metrics level, I am successful, um, is that I think at a very early point in my life, I realized that it, and this is very cliche to say, cause I'm not the first one to say it, um, is you're only ever competing with yourself. Mm -hmm. Honest to God, you are only ever competing with yourself. And I think what I'm challenged with is being or conceptually being in an educational environment. So in this particular circumstance, the question more relates to clinics. So being in a university, being in clinics. Um, but I think what we need to talk more about is 
um, the willingness of the teachers to teach and the flow of information. So what I have a hard time with is being in a learning environment where somehow we have created a hierarchy. We have somehow created a, a, a stratified layer of saying, well, I have to be as good as everyone else around me. I have to perform at a level as everyone else around me. I, I am insecure because I don't think that I can actually do it. And that to me fundamentally is flawed. It means that culturally the, the education system is flawed. I'm not just saying Michigan State in general or any university of themselves. I'm talking about like on a grand scale, the way in which we actually teach students. And this goes all the way back to kindergarten, you know, primary school, the whole thing is, I think I talked about this a little bit on maybe one of the more recent podcasts. Um, the worst thing that ever happened to the world is the statement that knowledge is power. Knowledge is not power. Knowledge is a responsibility. Knowledge as a responsibility is that it is our responsibility to teach it to those who don't have it. Mm -hmm. It's to bring up the basement. It's not, it's not a tool for us to keep people down and keep people in their place. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the issue with power is yes. like the, how it's. Yeah. Spread how it's, right. yeah, how, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, is it consolidated or yeah. is it, we actually were talking about this a little bit downstairs. We're talking about different concepts or whatever. And actually I was talking about practice ownership. As I said, there's, there's two different types of practice owners. Um, there's, uh, let's say that, you know, whatever it happens, new equipment, new process, whatever it is, the clinic, uh, makes some additional money. I said, there's, there's two types of business owners. One type of business owner is going to be putting money into their own pocket. The other type of business owner is putting money into other people's pockets. It's the same thing with knowledge is we have too many businesses focused around putting money in the pockets of the owners. We have too many businesses focused around putting money in the pockets of the corporations. We have too many businesses that focus on hierarchical structures. Well, when that starts to then equate over to an educational platform where it's like, well, now I have the power in my pocket. Now that I have it in my pocket, I worked really hard to put it in my pocket and it's in my pocket. And I like having it in mine because then I have it and you don't. Yeah. And then it's like, well, God, I have to do everything that I can to fight to get more knowledge in my pocket. That just seems absolutely backwards to me from an education standpoint. So when we start to look at saying, well, how, how is it, how can I, and really the question is, how do you deal with um, that level of insecurity? How do you deal with that level of competitive, you know, com competitive nature? How do you deal with that? Um, I think the answer ultimately comes down to is we should have never been in a scenario where that ever existed. Mm -hmm. We should never feel that we are in an environment where we can't learn. We should never be in an environment where we are disparaged to learn, where we can't ask questions. So that's why I kind of say fuck them is it's not fuck all vet students, fuck all your uh, classmates. Right. It's it not is, don't give a shit about them. Correct. Yeah. It's you need to actively work towards and find the like-minded individuals who are trying to do nothing more than learn, nothing more than share. The clinicians who only want to teach, the teachers that want to teach. If there are people within the organization, people within the education system, people within the business to whom you are felt and made to be insecure, people who, and again, that, and I'm saying that there's, a, there's a, obviously a personal interpretation component to it, but there's absolutely going to be a verbal behavioral um, component to it as well as you get through is that you shy away from the people who are not going to benefit you in your career. You shy away from the people that have the knowledge in their pocket and they're not going to give it away. Mm -hmm. That's that's Those are not the people you gravitate towards. Right. Um, well, they're not good teachers. The point of being a teacher is to teach. Yes. Also, I need a notepad because 
I'm listening to Carlo and forgetting what I was going to, there's a point I want to make yes. and I'm going to forget. I'll circle That's back. half no. the fun yeah. of the podcast. Yeah. You just, just got to go. win yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we can get you one. We can get you one. Uh, I got one right out there. But, um, but yeah, so anyway, so I guess, you know, that's kind of my take on it, right? Is, you know, being, you know, how do you deal with the insecurities? And I guess that's then um, coming into, you know, like I said, kind of your perspective. We're not just talking about being, um, um, you know, as a veterinary student going into clinics and having that feeling. But I think now, you know, that's that's my take on it. And I guess that's why I wanted to kind of set the tone to the conversation is like, this is really what we should be talking about is creating an environment where it's safe to fail, vulnerability. So um, before we go too crazy, um, which is one, easy. Yeah, yeah. One thing I want to um, kind of have color this whole thing is the the remainder of this conversation is going to be focused really heavily on finding areas where you can create a tangible influence um it's not going to be about fundamentally shifting the entire system no absolutely not because you yeah. can't you can't do it right away no. and honestly like what you're talking about is and as i'm you know, how to affect the system as you get you're, more you're, well, in it as a student you have so little ability to do that yeah. maybe a high well, desire to do it yeah. but your realistic your realistic well, yeah. influence and you're exactly right ben let's not get too lofty well right but the and, and this actually stems from the three p's and i don't know if you realize that you're doing it why do no, teachers no. teach to the why 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 do they get into it is to teach right that's purpose um, but what you're talking about is that there's been something and to identify an individual or a group of variables that has pushed us away from purpose and into power mm -hmm. is one that's extremely difficult, right? So like we don't even have a definition of the problem that has pushed the reason for which we teach away from purpose and into power, but we can identify variables that are that have that define that that exists as a problem, right? But we're not going to fix that problem today. But the, so then the next question is, okay, we acknowledge that that's a reality, that there is a system of variables that is essentially playing against my ability to learn. So how do I take power in what I can, um, it to, well, take initiative essentially to create a solution to improve this scenario, right? Because I have self-doubt and I want to fix it, but I can't wait for that person right. to fundamentally shift the whole system so that I don't feel this uh, self-doubt anymore. Right, it has right. to come from internally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's where it starts. And it takes, uh, you know, kind of groundbreakers and mountain movers, mm -hmm. you know, to get that fundamental transition in a big organization like that. Like a like systemic that. change. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and to wait for systemic change, is you're just waiting on a miracle right. at yeah. that point. Like, yeah. you, you have to go out and make uh, it. Yeah. Um, well, because what I was going to say is, yeah, like, this, I have this problem. Yeah. So I struggle with perfectionism and failure. And we've had the conversation multiple times of like, you, you, you have not failed in failing, which yeah. I realize you can't <laughs> define a word by using the word, but like, yeah, yeah. like failure is something you should be comfortable with because out of failure, you're going to learn something actually better. So like you, by failing is really the only way you can improve yourself. Yeah. It's all about mindset. Right. And yeah. so like shifting that on its head. And like I said, I struggle with that personally because I always want to do things right you know, not make any mistakes. And like, even, even in paw in an environment where I know that there won't be any disparagement yeah. for failure, as long as you're accountable for, you know, what you're doing, 
I still know that when it actually happens, like I can tell myself it's okay to fail, but when it actually happens, I know that I'll be crushed. So like having to actually like deal with those like emotions and whatever is, I mean, realistically like talking to a therapist or talking to somebody to deal with that stuff. Cause it's something you have to work through. It's, it's a, it's a mindset. Yeah. But what I think is interesting is like part of what I think you can start to do to like shift your mindset about it. Like I have started putting myself in situations where I'm okay with failing or like not being good at something and I just enjoy doing it. (laughs) And I'm like, even though I suck at this and I perpetually am going to suck at it, I still just enjoy doing it anyway for the Mm -hmm. sake of enjoying it. So like our German dance group, like I've been doing it since I was a kid and there is like a level at which you can compete. And I just do it because I, I like doing it. And you know, I like to think I'm pretty mediocre, but compared to some people in the club who take first and second and compete on the team, that's probably not ever going to be me. Yeah. Um, and similarly, like with CrossFit, I feel like I'm the most stagnant CrossFit athlete ever to have existed. Like I have improved marginally over the last like six years that I've been doing it. And so like, but I still do it because I'm just like, eh, what else am I going to do? Like, I'm okay with like going into the gym and making a complete fool of myself because I, yeah. you know, it's whatever, like I enjoy it. What's interesting is, and I know I talked to you about this book that I read mm-hmm. called Atomic Habits. I mentioned it to Carlo and he went all Carlo on me. <laughs> um, but so, so James Clear in this book, Atomic Habits, he talks about potential. And sp- in his case, he speaks more to, like genetic potential of like athletes is kind of how he starts talking about it. And he says, if you take somebody who's like, um, who's Michael Phelps Mm -hmm. as a swimmer, he's, he's built genetically. He's the, he's a fish. He's, he is like, he's (laughs) built to be the perfect swimmer. If you, if you had put him in like cross, like sprinting or, you know, some kind of other sport, he would probably be mediocre because he, is built to be his genetic potential is for him to be an athlete. And he said, some people take this as like a, like it's fatalistic. Like they're like, okay, I'll only ever be as good as like what I'm genetically like potentiated to do. I can't Mm -hmm. improve myself beyond that. I can't make myself be smarter than I am, or I can't, you know, I can't make myself naturally intelligent. So, but what's interesting that he talks about is he's like, change the rules of the game. So if, if you're not good at a particular game, make a new game that you are good at. So all of your, like, okay, this particular student, if you're, <laughs> why are you laughing? No, I'm only that's laughing. that's exactly what he did. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. No, well, I didn't mean to go there, yeah, but no, we yeah. went there. So so this student that doesn't have all this clinical experience and, and whatever, I mean, you have to start to shift your mindset of one, I'm here to learn. So, you know, realizing that you don't know as much as your classmates, nobody knows as much as anybody else. Like you can learn from literally anyone. So taking that and accepting it and learning as much as you can, but also realizing that you have life experiences and you have other, you know, you didn't come from nothing. Attributes, yeah. Right. So like you use that to then build. So basically what he says is like, take the things that you are good at and like make yourself so specialized that you're now like the top of your category because like you have owned this little corner that no one else is an expert in. Yeah. Well, and I think naturally we do that 
anyways. Like there's a propensity for us to kind of, I don't know if exalt ourselves mm-hmm. in, a, in a direction or whatever that the wording is, but the, that's the, like that's social hierarchy. Like that's how we position ourselves among the people that we are around yeah. that we only really show our, you know, we only, we posture ourselves in the best way that we can. Yeah. So what you see is the absolute best that someone can put out into the world. Like right. every, everybody's Instagram filtered at this point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so when you're talking about insecurity, in comparison, in comparing yourself to other people, well, that's what you're saying. Is like, yeah. well, they're only showing you five percent, right? Think but about the also, other ninety-five percent that they suck at. Yeah, and the but the thing is about that is that you're comparing. In some cases, you're comparing your weaknesses yeah. to their strengths. Yep. When what you should be doing is, and you really shouldn't be comparing at all. But if you're going to compare, compare your strengths to their strengths. Okay, they're good at doing this. What am I good at? Yeah. What like you shouldn't be the benchmark shouldn't be what can someone else do? I mean, yeah, if you want to get better at something, it's good to have benchmarks and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But like as far as measuring yourself, there's something that we always say in the gym about like you measure yourself against yourself yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's so what it what all of those examples <clears throat> basically lead towards a what what we've talked about in the last several podcasts have been a growth mindset Mm -hmm. so it's a matter of how are you actually acquiring success are you acquiring success through consistency are you acquiring success through your performance are you or through your competency there's all these different ways for you to get through success but it's uh when you look at again these last couple of podcasts where we've been talking about creating accountability and collaboration and i think that's kind of where my brain naturally goes is you know said so um i just you know be better than yesterday right so Mm -hmm. the plan with crossfit right be better than yesterday you know the mindset is growth it may not you said over six years i have barely any growth but as long as i'm just a little bit better than i was last time it's still in the process of growth it might i might not be the best crossfitter there is i mean i always used to make a joke that I've been training for a triathlon for the last 15 years. Like, and I've been training in my brain. Like I'm absolutely training for, cause it ever says a mental game. Why well, just, it's a mental, I'm just training. Yeah, just mental, the mental game. aspect. Right. Right. So it's just this idea again of being of growth mindset. Um, where again, the, the way in which we should, like you said, comparing ourselves or, um, things that regard is what you want to do is gravitate towards those other people who also have growth mindsets. And I think that's what I said, kind of bringing the bottom up is being around other people with growth mindsets. All they want to do is see you succeed. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, I think one of our greatest stories here at PAW is that like, we pretty much have a team who is not gunning for someone else to fail. Um, if we do, those people usually are seen to the door in some way, shape, or form. Either we just continue to work on them with growth, we continue to work on unity, core value type stuff, or what have you. Um, but that's ultimately what it is, is to say, well, you know, we're only in competition with ourselves and so on and so forth. You're right, it is a huge head game. Uh, but the idea is, is that we should only ever be focusing on how we can better ourselves and how we can better other individuals. And like you said, when you get into clinics or you get into a new job and for all the people, all the listeners or whoever's out there who's looking at starting a new job or even has, I mean, you're a perfect example of it. Like, I mean, how long did you hem and haw on mm-hmm. what your path is? I don't have one there yet. I'm okay with that. See, that was the See? key yes. is that it, <sighs> Yeah. I was like, but what is my path? And finally I just embraced it and was like, I don't know. Yes. I'm just figuring shit out. There we go. And like, welcome to adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> 
there. You know. So I mean, we have to. All right. So look at look at like your your like quintessential vet student, right? Mm -hmm. So it's you know you go through primary school, you know secondary school, you're into undergraduate. Is everything is laid planned out, out, planned out? Okay, and that that's where for I me mean, one of the issues I have with uh, uh, primary secondary school is essentially the fact that we're trained in this antiquated system that is basically trying to create factory workers and there's this whole thing it's it doesn't matter so You're anyway talking about fundamental shifts yes yeah, fundamental shifts we can't, I, change I, I can't talk about that right now uh i understand uh, i'm trying to get past that <laughs> uh anyway so the but so yeah we have all these things laid out we have a path laid out we have a course laid out but i always make the joke like like when you're in high school, one day before graduation, you have to ask to take a leak. One day, gra graduation yeah. plus one day. What are you gonna do with the rest of your life? You're like, fuck, I don't, I, I don't know. Do I need right. a, do I need a pass to go to the bathroom anymore? <laughs> like, can I go out in the hallway? Can I go in the hallway? Is that well? Actually, no. Now that you're graduate, you can't even come in the school anymore. Okay, what's going on right now? <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. and so it's the same thing, right? So you get through undergraduate and it's like, oh, well now you high school student plus one day, now that you've learned you can pee on your own, how about make a career decision for the rest of your life? Right. Perfect. Now I'm going to make that career decision, get through undergraduate, which is still pretty much laid out for you. You have prerequisites, mm -hmm. you know, you have university requirements and you kind of get, if you end up, you know, getting your degree or going into higher education, of course, coming in PhDs, uh, masters, of course, in our uh, doctorates. Um, and then it's the same thing. It's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to be a small animal vet one day. Okay, well, we kind of have some things mm -hmm. we can teach you on that. I'm going to be a large animal vet. We have some things to teach you on that. And then you get out, and then nobody actually knows what they're doing. <laughs> but then everyone puts up this facade that yeah. they know exactly what they're doing. And it's like, look at how successful my life is. And they're like, and you're like, oh, yeah, your life is successful. But it's the same thing. It's still comparing ourselves to one another it's just the next level and then the next level and the next level and you die so it's right. really a matter of saying and embracing that thing where it's like yeah actually i i don't really know what my path is but i'm open to the idea of growth i'm open to the idea of self-betterment that's it yeah. it doesn't matter what gets thrown at you at that point i mean because i mean we even kind of make a joke like for me administratively like doing admin stuff from day to day i run a triage based admin life you know, yeah. where I don't actually know what's going to happen that day. But you know what? I go into each day assuming I'm probably going to learn something new and I'm going to try my hardest and I'm either going to succeed or fail. And if I fail, I'm going to figure out why I failed. And then once I figure out the variables by which I failed, I'm going to try to do better next time. I'm going to read this to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Habits deliver numerous benefits, but the downside is that they can lock us into our previous patterns of thinking and acting, even when the world is shifting around us. Everything is impermanent. Life is constantly changing, so you need to periodically check in to see if your old habits and beliefs are still serving you. A lack of self-awareness is poison. Reflection and review is the antidote. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. And it's, you know, again, so so again, I think talking about, um, you know, so again, potential, mm -hmm. right? So when we talk about uh, what is a problem child? A problem child is someone who has low performance and a high level of potential. Um, is that, that is the, like I said, that's kind of the conundrum of the veterinary student or veterinary nursing student, but veterinary student is top of the class. You know, I, I, what I, I, I think my stat was uh, the year I got in, it was uh, 1800 applicants. They took the top 110. Mm -hmm. So we're saying that all the metrics, all the grades, all the numbers and values and interview points and all these things. Now we have the top, you know, small percent yeah 10 percent. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yep. fine 10 mm -hmm. now what we're going to say is of these 10 percent, that's our new 100 percent. so mm -hmm. now with the top 10 percent being our new 100 percent, we got to figure out of the ultra intelligent who's like crazy ultra intelligent yeah. and then who's just ultra intelligent 
So that's what we're saying is in this small niche, it's still a group by which we're comparing ourselves, but forced to compare ourselves. What'd you get on that grade? What'd you get in that class? What'd you get on that test? What'd you think about yeah. this patient? Did you get that diagnosis right? Did you do the surgery right? There's always these variables by which yeah. you have to compare ourselves, but we're still as smart as they come. And I, without <laughs> still up there, without even thinking about it, I totally niched myself in vet school to the point where I actually escaped a lot of that because I gave myself an out in that I'm like, I'm one of the dairy kids. Oh, sure. I do. I like, I'm not going to play my, the game of the small animal correct. drama. Like I still right. took a lot of the classes because I knew I had to pass boards and yeah, it was yeah. a big deal and whatever. Yeah. But like I had taken the dairy classes and I was part of, you know, like the dairy group yep. and like, okay. So perfect example. One of my classmates Facebook messaged me yesterday. He obviously doesn't go on the internet very often. He's like, I wanted to ask the expert about this. I have a client with a pet Jersey cow that has a staph infection. And I was like, you clearly don't know anything in the last five years. Cause I do small animal now, <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> yeah. but like yeah. I, like I made a name name for myself as being like one of the dairy kids. And so I didn't have to compete with the rest, compete with the yeah. rest of the class because I was like, I'm over here doing my own thing. Yeah. So I was lucky that way. Yeah. But was it, was it productive? Like, did, do you feel like that served you positively to kind of isolate yourself from the drama portion? But like, how did that serve your education? So I probably like in a way, like I hacked my own brain because, because I struggle so much with perfectionism and that kind of thing, I think it would have weighed more heavily on my mental health going through school. Whereas I could brush off the fact that I was not the top of my, I was definitely the bottom of my class and I did not care really yeah. that I was getting lower grades than most of my classmates because I'm like, I just have to pass and I'm going to get a job and I can palpate some cows yeah. and it will be fine. So that, that is actually, um, that's very poignant uh, because the whole thing through most of my life was, um, you know, Carlos gonna be a vet, Carlos gonna be a vet, Carlos gonna be a vet. Most of it was it was kind of shoved down my throat. There's kind of this whole thing doesn't matter. We have time for that anyway. Carlos gonna be a vet, Carlos gonna be a vet, Carlos gonna be a vet, Carlos gonna be a vet. Once I, as you're exactly right. Once I got into veterinary school, once I got into vet school, I was like, "Fuck, I made it." I made it. I'm it's like when, we're here. It's like when you beat all the levels of Mario yeah. and you have nothing left to do. Right. So you just wander around. First of all, don't talk to me about that. Cause I actually <laughs> of all the games that I've beat in my life. I've never beat Mario one on NES. Listen, I can't get past eight, two. <laughs> all right. Like, and actually I tried to speed run it. Okay. No, we're going to off topic. Here. It doesn't matter. The important thing is, Carla, how do you speed run vet school? Yeah. So, uh, this, this guy, uh, okay. Getting back to it. Uh, but I was in, yeah. mm -hmm. that was yeah. the mindset that I had. I, I succeeded. I got there. I just had to stay there. And it was like, I got a two point on that exam. Fucking passed. <laughs> like, yes. You know, made on an extra. Yeah. 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 My That's friend right. and I had a thing we used to say to each other when we'd bomb an exam, we'd just look at each other's grades and be like, you can come back from that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Ours, ours was paint in the vein, but that's a whole different thing. So if Mike Boyle is listening, uh, Joe Kubin paint in the vein. Uh, anyway, so the, uh, so again, we, you know, so I think, I think that was then another part of this is that you kind of start to, 
um, get in with people to whom you have a similar thought path. So uh, for us with Michigan State, we created, or at least uh, we're a part of the creation of the house mentorship system and kind of ways in which we can group students to kind of get together similar thought paths and, you know, just try to develop that camaraderie and start to develop that culture of, you know, inclusion and, and uh, diversity and such. Um, but again, it comes down to, well, you know, my friend of vet school, this is how we got through those mm -hmm. things. So I think what happens when we get into clinics is now it's just like poof, this little niche of people that you were with up. is now yeah. blown up. So now you're on three week rotations. You got maybe four people that you've sort of known. You're coming as a third year, but there's some fourth years mixed in there and they're almost done with clinics. They seem super smart, you know, and these blah, 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 yep. blah, blah. So there's all these other kind of case skating variables. Um, and again, for me, it's still answering the question of sort of how do I get over these insecurities is it's like you made it. You yeah. made a sweetheart, like you got in, you are like a stone's throw from being a veterinarian. You're smart enough to get there. You're smart enough to do it. Just literally stand tall, hang your head high for the rest of your life. Everyone's going to try to knock you off that pedestal, but you have to protect yourself. Just knowing that you are the best. You, you are, yeah. you are peak you performance for it. yourself. Yeah. You already made and it. And also if you bomb boards, <laughs> yeah. it's okay. It's fine. Yes. Yes. I passed national boards, but I had to take the California exam twice. Yes. That's fine. And it's fine. Yes. You'll be fine. Yes. I, I, I failed in Avalie the first time I took it. So, and I'm I mean, not ashamed to say that. Like good. I, yeah. I did so bad in equine, so mm. bad in equine. I failed the entire exam. So just <laughs> think about think that. Was about just that. your way of taking it out on that horse yeah. you had to spend three weeks in the stall oh, with. Oh, God, he bit the hell out of me. Apollo Palooza <laughs> was his name. I was so bruised coming out of that one. I'll never forget that horse's name. Um, but, yeah, so, again, it's fine. You know, we all end up different ways for different reasons, you know. Um, and that's where, like I said, it's you already made it. And I think the, you know, the confidence part is very difficult to build without competence. And we kind of talked about that during the one podcast. It's like the two do go hand in hand. Um, and I think when you are talking about confidence and competence, they can actually they can benefit each other, but they can also be very toxic for one another. Because if you have a lot of confidence and you start to do things wrong or you start to perform low and you start to have questionable competency, it's going to really start to screw up your confidence. And it's the other way too, is that the more times you do things well, you're going to be able to take low confidence and make it high confidence. So it is a very, that access is probably one of the most difficult things um, on our star chart to really overcome, especially when a big part of this is having a head game or being a head game. Um, and that's where I usually just, for me, I, I just lead in with high confidence, knowing that even if I fail, it will not affect my con my, it will not affect my confidence. It will give me the opportunity to improve my competence. So we have to be in an environment where we can learn. We have to be in an environment where there's people who are giving the knowledge out of their pockets as quickly as possible, as much as possible. So one thing that I just thought of, and I'm like, maybe I should try doing this. It goes, ties back to the whole thing with the gym and me talking about how I, I haven't actually grown as a, yeah. so because yeah. if, grown some. if, if Garrett Barna ever watches this, he's my CrossFit coach and he has actually watched some of our podcasts in the past, but, nice. um, he always gets frustrated with me when I say that. Cause he is like, no, you have improved. You know, you've improved. Stop saying that you are just mediocre. But the problem is, is that when you, when it's such small things and they just like over time, you just, this becomes the new normal. And so you don't necessarily yeah. realize that you are improving. 
So, I mean, I know one thing, so like at the gym, we keep track of like PRs and like things, sure, like sure. numbers, metrics that you like, oh yeah, I, you know, I gained five pounds in a lift, whatever. But you could do that through vet school as well. And just like little victories of things that you've yeah. done. Like I did my first whatever today I did. You that's, know what I mean? Yeah, that's what leads to Ben to. Yeah. Well, I was going to, first off, you got to be careful when setting those metrics because you like, that's where you have to realize how you're setting your standard. Like, um, that's why you have a coach to help you set your standards. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you absolutely like keep a record of how you're improving, mm-hmm. but where are you starting? You know yeah. what I mean? Like you, cause like if my fat ass were to go to a gym right now and say, you know what, I'm just going to put two plates on the bench press and just, I'm just going to hammer that out. I'm going to fail miserably. And then it's like, you're going to, you're going to disparage yourself out of the gym. Well, and that's the thing is you have to start at whatever your baseline is. Well, right. But how are you setting that? And when you're talking about being in an environment where you're in the upper echelon of intelligence, right? How do you safely set that standard? It's very difficult to do. And that's a part of this where you have to just walk into this just with the utmost trust that you're or the belief that you're going to miss in setting that standard right away mm-hmm. and you're going to have to adjust it and you're going to have to be happy when you adjust it because that is the first failure. The failure of setting your standard is... And the, then not achieving your standard. Right. right. Like, man, yeah. I really thought I could do this right. and I'm not even that good. Yeah. Now I feel like crap. Because I haven't achieved it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not even talking about like setting setting a standard for like, I need to do this. More so like like reflectively. So like not saying I'm going to go into clinics and I'm going to learn how to do systos and place an IV catheter and Mm -hmm. whatever. It's Mm -hmm. you just set the bar at, I'm a a third year. (laughs) I know nothing. (laughs) Right. And then be like, Oh my God, today I placed an IV catheter in a, you know, a giant dog. And then the next day it's a slightly smaller dog. And then, you know, two weeks later you, you know, so I guess that's more the way that I would look at it is like any, anything is, is a victory. Mm-hmm. So, so if I, if I had the opportunity to run a educational environment, which our education system is Island of the Lost Boys. <laughs> <laughs> so what we have set here in PAW is our own education system set out a very, very specific way tier ones, two, three, and four, mm-hmm. right? Tier one is, uh, from a student standpoint, tier one is essentially the shadow. It's the wallflower. Come in here, just take a look, see what you think. Tier two is coming on as an employee for three full months mm-hmm. to just experience the experience the job, experience the environment, experience the culture, and then coming into um, tier three for students has to do university-driven, so on and so forth. But when we start to look at this type of a system as far as the expectation, that's what I was kind of saying is you, your CrossFit coach says, oh my God, you are, have had mm-hmm. such significant growth. Um, is it's coaches that are supposed to be able to set that bar for you. Yeah. So for me, when I say to take over an education system, to integrate into an education system, to advise an education system, it's actually helping to set that bar. Yeah. So what we have to look at And again, I promise I'll make a point here. What we have to look at, and this is not trying to have a huge grand scale change, but if we have an educational environment, which we have to look at the trends in the industry. So from the 80s, 90s, 2000s now is saying, well, now we have a clientele base at universities, which is essentially top 1%, 5%. 
well past top 20%. Easy. Okay, yeah. easy. So now we're saying, okay, so what do we want in a tier one employee? What do we want in a tier one student? No performance. Right. We, we want yeah. potential. Yeah. We want someone with a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. So if what we're saying is, and I would, I would challenge your statement a little bit saying I'm a third year student, I don't know anything. It's, um, uh, no, you actually know a ton. Right. Because the metric that was set when you got into veterinary school was you're smart. Yep. So you have the potential to learn all of this. That's what that whole, that's what that whole metric system is. You have to put, we have expect no perform. Well, actually it is an assessment of performance. You're, you're performing high and you should have high potential in your grades and so on and so forth. Yeah. But if we look at it and saying you're coming into clinics with no performance, yeah. you've never done this job before, but you're smart and you have the potential to lead with that. Mm-hmm. So coming into a clinic setting, coming into a new job, mm-hmm. going from large animal, small, small animal, small animal, large animal, whatever it is, coming into this new environment, that you have an incredible amount of potential to succeed. That's really how we should be looking at clinics. Don't feel like you have to go in and know everything. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you have to go in the and now perform. The purpose of clinics is to teach you yes, clinics. Yes, to perform at a level <laughs> yeah. that is the expectation of the top 1% to 5% of clientele in the region. So now we're saying that as a teaching hospital, a learning environment, you are not granted the luxury of a mistake. Yeah. For me, for me, the structure is you have your specialists, your clinicians, you have your residents, your interns, and your veterinary students. That means we have four different levels, not this way, not where clinician is at the top. It's the opposite. It's where the clinician is at the bottom. Then we have the residents. Then we have the interns. And the veterinary students are at the top. The veterinary students should be the most supported people in that entire institution. The veterinary nursing students should be the most supported individuals in that institution to what? To minimize failure, to maximize potential, to maximize performance. So that's why, that's why, like I said, try not to be too lofty here. And But the point is, instead of going in with the mindset that there are people who are better at this mm-hmm. than I am, there are people who are going to do better than me, they all have the same potential. It's just a matter of, yeah, there's going to be some people who pick it up faster. There's going to be some people who don't. Some people who were, actually, there's some that are, you know, veterinary technicians, veterinary nurses for years before they get into veterinary school. It comes back to just all the experience thing. So it's really a matter of looking at all those people around you as, what do we say in PAW? A resource. They're a tool. So you have to stop your mindset of thinking that you are a burden to those people. I can't wait to call you a tool later. Yeah, that's fine. You can call me a tool. That's fine. Uh, but that's the whole point is that these people are there exclusively as teachers to help you learn. And as soon as they don't, day two of clinics, you go to the dean. You go to someone else in that organization and be like, I am here to learn. I am paying to learn. This person is hindering my ability to learn. I run the flagpole all the time. I don't care. Yeah. So you got to have a lot of, you know, balls to do yes, that. Yes, yeah, yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah. Or vagina yeah. if you want to be gender right. non-specific. Yes. But I mean, I cuz like you saying that gave me like cold sweats cuz I am not that person. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would probably never Yeah. But let me at least let yeah. me at least be the first to say it. Yep. Let me at least get the mindset in there. And it's a matter of changing it over. And again, that's why I said it's all a mental game. You're only ever at you're only ever competing with yourself. What is your yeah. own limitations? I mean, it makes sense. You're paying them literally Tens of thousands of dollars. Hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. Depending on if you're in state or out of state. Yeah, out of state, but yeah. Most likely yeah. everyone at this point is over 100. Yeah. It, 
yeah, to get an education. So it makes sense that you should be able to go to that person and be like, I'm holding you accountable for the money that I'm paying you yeah. to actually and, teach And me. even I'm holding you accountable for giving me the resource. Yeah. That's what it is. Like I said, we can use debt right. is a really easy thing to twist, right? So it's just like, well, you know, I'm paying you for this. I expect, you know, to get a return on my investment. That's fine. You absolutely should. But if you take the perspective of I am in a learning education, in a learning environment, in an education system, and I am here to acquire knowledge. I'm here to acquire the ability right. to do this job. And now, because I am in this environment trying to learn, and you're hindering my ability to learn, that to me speaks larger volumes than the amount of money that's being invested. I think it's a, I think it's an easy go to to say I'm spending money for this. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be you wouldn't be wrong to have that conversation that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to speak more volumes to say to the clinician, you gotta say you have balls to do it, but it's like, do you yeah. know that you are here to teach me? Right. That's why I said clinicians are at the bottom of the totem pole, mm-hmm. residents, interns, everyone is there to support the students as much as possible. Mm-hmm. The other interesting part about all that, in just thinking about the original question that I, because what will probably happen when you go through that exercise of attempting to create accountability in an environment where it's probably not the standard, is it will fall on deaf ears. Mm-hmm. Sure. But you have, right, you just do yep. as much as you can yep. because it's not your job to fire that person. Correct. You just have to tell the person that is responsible yep. for that. Yep. You just feed them information. They do yep. with it what they will. Yeah. Um, and when that falls on deaf ears, you can at least have the peace of mind in knowing, hey, I did my part. And maybe the next guy doesn't have to deal with it. Or maybe yep. four right. guys from then doesn't have to deal with it. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a similar concept um, in, in different practice to the release practice of forgiveness where yeah. you just, you just let it go. Like yeah. this is where I'm going to let it go. Yeah. Um, but when you walk away from that, um, you can then refocus on just acquisition, like just get as much as you can yeah. acquire as much knowledge as you can. And then the advantage that all of these students have, even second lifers time. Yeah. You can you can definitely pass that person. Just be patient. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that I don't think many of us really. Uh, I don't think it gets focused on enough. Is just that utilization of time. Like I mean, we talk about it all all the time. Don't waste your money. Yeah, or don't don't, don't waste your money. But you can. But yeah. definitely don't waste your time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think that that's you know when you talk about these um, students that are most of them sub thirty. I mean, there that's that's the resource that you have. Um, so the the more that you can maximize that, and just knowing like I have a ton of time to right. get to that level and well beyond it. Yeah. Um. I I, I personally find a lot of um, solace in that because yeah. I believe that I'm terrible at a lot of things, <laughs> but I'm at least 29. Yeah. <laughs> so I, at the very least, yeah. I'm not going to be terrible forever because yeah. I have time on my side. Yeah. Well, and that was, I mean, that was getting out of veterinary school. I mean, I got out at 23. Right. So, I mean, that's the right. story of Paw Health. I mean, I had seven years to get up to the point of where most of my classmates, I mean, most of my classmates were high 20s. We kind of had an older, yeah. an older class. Um, but it's just that, you know, and you're exactly right. I think I think time time is, uh, oh, my God, did we actually just work in J.G. Wentworth? It's, <laughs> it's my knowledge and I want it now. <laughs> 
Uh, but no, I mean, I, I, you're exactly right. I mean, there is this kind of cultural thing where it's, if I don't have it now, then I'm never going to have it. Right, right. And yeah, that's, yeah. that's what you're saying. And, and you're, it's yeah, it's, it's like you're literally there to spend this little bit of time yes. to set yourself up yep. uh, for a lifetime of learning. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, and I, uh, like no one graduates yeah. an expert. And, yeah. I, and I think that that's probably like the fundamental flaw, at least yeah. now I I only went through undergrad, but yeah. I didn't know. I, yeah, it yeah. was in a completely different field, but I didn't graduate with that expectation. Like yeah. my expectation was, okay, now I kind of know something. Yeah. Now I'm going to go actually learn something where yeah. I think the expectation that is being set, whether it's by the education system or culturally or whatever, is when you have that white coat on and your name says doctor, yeah. you're an yeah. expert. Yeah. When in reality, what are we, what's it called? Practice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, was, there's, there's yeah. two things, right? So one, there's a mixed message that you get as vet students. So you get the whole thing of when you come out of vet school, you'll know the most that you'll ever know because like, like Did you somebody have actually say that. Yeah. Like, like people, cause they, they use it kind of like as an excuse that like, because you've been studying for boards, you have this comprehensive textbook knowledge. That's like, over time, you're going to forget a lot of the nuance of it. Yeah, but so, why do you forget it? It's because you don't ever use it's it. It's not usable, right. yeah, because you end up going into a like a more of a specialized field. So your so your knowledge goes from being very broad and shallow mm. to like yeah. deeper and narrower. Right. So it's not that your amount of knowledge changes; it's just like shifts. It tapers, right? But so you get that message, and then there's also the whole thing of like you were talking about from high school. It's like I was never allowed to do anything before. I wasn't allowed to touch things without permission or give out any kind of medications or like I put together a treatment plan, but then the clinician like completely trashed it and didn't do anything that I suggested. So to now you're making all the decisions Yeah. and you're like, am I allowed to pee by myself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the same yeah. conundrum. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it is tough, you know, and I, I think the, you know, there's, there's a lot of different, uh, I just can't get past the fact that they tell you that this is the uh -huh. smartest you'll ever be. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. no, when I, again, different setting, when I graduated college, I was an idiot. Yeah. Still am, still, but less so. Yeah. I, like I've learned. I tell people all the time how dull I am. How dumb I am. Well, and like, think about you right after you graduated college, yeah. he well, was probably an idiot. Yeah. Still equally as was. good looking. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're pretty. Yeah, we had a technician in vet school that would actually say that to yeah. you, like on, on ICU, yeah. if you mess something up yeah. like real bad, she'd yeah. be like, you're yeah. pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was probably, I don't know if I was more or less arrogant then, but you know, uh, either way, but, but anyway, not to cut you off. So <laughs> no, that was, that was uh, my yeah, whole was point. Like, I yeah. just, I, I can't get past the fact that somebody would actually say that at, at mm -hmm. any point in your life. Like, I think it's are, meant to be consoling. Like they're meant. They're well, that's like, not working. I know. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And like I said, it's a mixed message because on one hand you have people telling you that, but then you also have like, yes, the perspective should be that you are now going to learn a shit ton of things that you're out of school. Yeah, yeah. And then also what about the reality that most of the people that hear that are so overwhelmed with knowledge that yeah. they can't absorb. And now they're being told this is everything you're ever going to know. And yeah. now you really feel like a yeah. complete moron yeah. because it's like, man, this is the only shot I got yeah. and I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. 
I could, uh, it's, I'm, I'm triggered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, you know, and I think one of the things, you know, not, not of course, just that they're solely my alma mater, but, you know, working with Michigan state. And I think one of the things that I like that's really happening at the administrative level, Dean level is that they're really focusing on these day one ready resources. And the fact that they really overturned how they're doing the didactic training, you know, to really try to get more and more and more students not to have necessarily this massive font. And then, you know, over the first 10 years of their career, they're going to taper it down. It's really looking at, you no, know, how do, how do we fundamentally shift this system? Um, you know, again, I think this is this fall, I think it's gonna be the second inaugural class. Cause I think this, this last one was their first one, at least trying out this new way of education. And I mean, I love that. I, I love the idea of just completely turning the system over because um, if you already know where you're at and the results you're getting with where you're at and you don't like the results that you're getting from where you're at, then just totally botch it and try something completely different. Um, yeah, it was so changes on the way. It was FDR that said, like, um, if it's not working, try something. And if that fails, try something else. Like, yes. I, I could get the exact yeah, quote, yeah, yeah. but I was just watching House of Cards the other day. And yeah. They referenced it, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's exactly that's what it. it is. Like, yeah. if, if you're Constant not realizing the result that you want... Um, why continue to do it? Like, Correct. don't get me wrong. There's definitely something to be said about um, Matt, like fulfilling it 100%. Yeah. Like to adjust your plan without fully like giving it the, the real, like I'm going to do this to the best of my ability. Um, you could be jumping the gun. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that I actually learned in sport was um, you practice enough to the point where when you're actually competing, you you succeed enough that when it is not working, you adjust. Yeah. Don't hesitate. Yeah. Adjust. Yeah. And it's a really it was. Yeah, uh, we have a whole other team against you that's going to make the adjustment first. Exactly. You know. Yeah. You got to yeah. stay ahead of the game. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Sports <laughs> quote. <laughs> I know that one. I'm really bad with sports quotes, but I got that one. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I think uh, kind of this initiative, this day one ready type initiative, I think, you know, one of the things actually when I was talking, we were talking, um, had a uh, uh, lecture with the veterinary nursing program down there at Michigan State. Um, the thing that I kind of said at a few different intervals, but I stand behind wholeheartedly and I, I don't want to uh, misquote the person, but I don't think it was Einstein. I don't remember who it was, but it was basically like um, you, the, the purpose of education is to teach a way of thinking. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's where for me, it's, you know, to say, Hey, we have this new style that they're doing didactic, uh, yeah. education on that. They're doing whole body systems at one time. That's teaching a way of thinking, you know, and that's where, for me, that's why I said, you know, again, coming back to the original question of security and security and so on and so forth is like your tier one, you know, you were yeah. in there really honestly yeah. to learn kind of like shadow and learn the fundamentals and learn the way of thinking and learn how to move through it. And that's, it's just critical thinking skills. It's problem solving. Yeah. And it's not necessarily remembering, oh, on this one case, they did this one thing mm -hmm. is, you know, I got out of veterinary school and I had like six books that taught me how to be yeah. a, a veterinarian, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, just read them cover to cover, cover to cover, cover to cover. And you learn the way of thinking. And even now, like you, I mean, yes, like you respect experts for their expertise, but I think part of that is like your best powers as a veterinarian are your powers of observation and then knowing where to go and look for the answer or Correct. who to ask for the answer Correct. and being able to also admit, I don't actually have all the answers right now, yeah. but we're going to either, you know, if you want to try this, we can try yeah. this. If you want more information, we can do these tests. Yeah. And then like creating that 
partnership yeah. with the caregiver yeah. to then like yeah. that's actually one of find doctor, the answers. Yeah, that's one of Dr. Lauren's greatest assets, to be honest. I don't know that she realizes it. Uh, but she, I, I've even heard her in consultations with caregivers just like through the wall or whatever. I'm typing up records or whatever. Um, she, well, I don't exactly know the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wonderful yeah you know because then it's a matter of i'm not going to sit here and bullshit mm -hmm. you know as mo i mean not there are going to be those caregivers that are intelligent to know when you're blowing smoke so it's like well i don't actually know the answer to that however mm -hmm. you know veterinarians here i have some people i can ask people i can call i mean there's there's literally nothing wrong so that's what we keep talking about resources yeah yep. you know well and that's you know so to go back um a little bit to kind of where we started in setting you know that group that you surround yourself with because you're only the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with, right? So if you're in vet school and you go up to one of your friends and you say, I have no idea what any of this means. And they look at you and they say, you're an idiot. Maybe just let that one go, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because you're, you you're teaching them the mechanism. Circle, and right? honestly, I would be curious to ask Lauren and Christina how many times they did that in vet school because if, if Lauren's going to Christina every time, I have no idea what any of this yes. means probably built that habit completely unintentionally yeah. that is now translating into real life practice. Yeah. Um, so the, the earlier that you can take control over that, like generating the mechanism of vulnerability yeah. um, is, is really going to be huge. And to go along with where you were kind of going with the gym stuff, right? It's like you're being vulnerable in that setting. You're, I actually saw a video the other day, you're choosing your suffering. Because mm -hmm. everybody's going to suffer. We're all going to realize pain and failure. So the more that you can set a scenario where you're electing it, the better suited you will be to um, overcome it when you don't have control over it. Because it's going to happen. Just you're just learning to adapt yeah. in the moment, like yeah. you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I would say that. I mean, honestly, for you know, when you uh, sent me that uh, text about uh, bad habits. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I think, I, th I think one of the worst habits is just that ongoing desire of comparing oneself. You know, I mean, it's, it is a very, very difficult one to break, but it is like, I, I honestly, it, you saying just a few moments ago that you're like, I don't actually know what my path is. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you realized how relaxed you look saying that. <laughs> I it really it, like yes. when I say it now and it sounds yes. so casual, yes. that was a big freaking deal for that's me a to figure that, out. No, that's what I'm That's why I'm acknowledging yes. it is I'm like, I, like I felt that from uh -huh. you. I was like, this is probably one of the first conversations I've had with Caroline where I didn't actually feel energy tenfold high. And I was just uh -huh. like, oh, I, oh, that's actually, that one feels warm. Yeah. That one, that feels good, Caroline. Yeah. Go, go get it. Yeah. You know, and it's so, so that's why I kind of say like, you know, this, it's a mental hurdle and it's, you know, it's not about the other people. It's about you. You're only ever competing with yourself and so on and so forth is I think it's all about, um, individuality. I mean, there's maturity. I mean, there's all these sort of different things that are in there. Um, but that for you to say that, say, I don't actually know what my path is, is probably going to be one of the single hand of the most liberating experiences of your life. That'll only lead to success throughout the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> I could see that. So, Make an argument for so if now, now let's, let's go the opposite because I mean, again, like I said, it's, it's, it's great to have your, you know, full time and so on and so forth. Um, look at, look at Caroline when I met her 
four years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, like look look at the amount of time and energy that has gone into the last four years of that, like, well, what if, and what if, and I was at this job, then I had to move to this area for this other job. And then they got bought corporate then that corporate got bought corporate. And then for me, and I want to do this and you know what I'm saying? So it was like all these things and all these variables for which, and, and I think what I, what I saw in the last several years, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, um, is it was that desire to have absolute control over your path that was being decided by other people. Yeah. But, but Not I don't even think by you, other people by a, by previous me. That's, that's what I'm saying. But it's like, Like, you were, you were, you were grouped you were kind of stuck in this idea where again, you were, yeah, exactly. That's what my life didn't turn out how I thought that I wanted it to. Yes. And I say that you were paralyzed by it. Yes. Yes. And I say that specifically that way, because I mean, there is like an emotional, like a grieving process of like letting that go. Absolutely. And I don't think any of it is like time wasted because you still are like building to like, I wouldn't be the same person today had I not taken the path that I did as convoluted as it was. Like I wouldn't change any of it. Yeah. But like, yeah, like just figuring out that like, it's okay that I don't, that that's not me anymore. Yes. Shocking. Yeah. (laughs) Shocking. Groundbreaking world. This is I, I can't drop the microphone, so I'll just do that. <laughs> just take the whole stand yeah, off and just, just chuck it, it on the, the ground. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I um, I'm sweating. Now, yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, I, I'm proud of you. I mean, to be honest, I, I think it's um, it's great to have you part of the organization now, full time. Um, you know, to have kind of seen you go through that journey. Um, you know, I think that's part of me in my role as a coach, as a mentor, um, is really just like giving that latitude, you know, like, and that's just like with your CrossFit coaches, like they're going to push you, but ultimately you have to be the one who's going to decide to pick the weight up. They can't force you to pick the weight up. It's the same thing is that's that's the whole role of a, of a, of a coach, you know, is just really kind of pushing and guiding and, you know, trying to talk people up and things like that. Um, so, I mean, it's again, I like, I have seen your struggle and I've struggled with you in the yes. last few years. Cause I'm just like, I'm like, open your freaking mind, Caroline, <laughs> like just let it happen. You know, like everything's going to be fine. I know you don't know right now, but I yeah. promise it's going to get better. You yeah. know, and each time it got a little bit better. There was things that better things that were worse, but it was, um, you know, that opportunity of just really unlocking your own, uh, you know, potential for performance, yeah. you know, cause you always had, and I think that was even part of uh, what Katie and I noticed very early on, um, is that even when you were like really just engrossed into large animal mm-hmm. is it's that, you know, there was just a skill set of problem solving. Yeah. Like, you know, that really is what, what is your greatest asset is like really understanding the process, um, rather than understanding the content. So that, yeah. that's why, like I said, I, I, I don't think you realize how powerful it is that you now understand that the future is untold, but you have acquired the experience and the knowledge and you now have that knowledge in your pocket to give it away to the next person. Yeah. You know, that's, and I'm very excited that we will have students. Yes. Cause I actually really enjoy teaching students what I have to teach them. Yes. That's okay. Yes. Yeah. And actually, uh, Dr. Lauren, um, just this last week, I mean, she took, uh, actually, a few weeks ago, I had made the joke with Christina. I know we got to wrap it up here pretty quick. Is that, uh, yeah, is that, uh, you know, I had made the joke. I'm like, hey, May's coming around. 
Like you guys are going to be more than just new grads. Now you're going to be a we're into practicing vets and we're going to have more students coming through and you're going to have to teach them because now you guys are the experts. And like Christine's like, oh, my God, you know, so, oh, God. Uh, uh, but uh, Lauren, I mean, she took a case from intake to rads to blood, knew that had to move to barium, took it to barium, read the barium, read that it was a foreign body, took it to surgery, took this, took the foreign body out on her own um, cat or it was a feline patient recovered, went home and it was like screaming from the rooftops. I'm like, Oh my God, Lauren, uh-huh. like you did it, you know, from beginning to end, you know, there was a little bit of influence, you know, I had a question, what do you think about this x-ray? You know, she's talking to Dane, so on and so forth, but that's inconsequential, right? you know, and that's where, again, I, I don't think that a year ago, she, you know, if you talk to her a year ago, yeah. she never stopped, you'd been doing that uh, eight, nine months into a new, yeah, you know, nine say. months in, yeah. you know, versus like 10 years in like, well, when can I read a barium and all this stuff and then do my own foreign body? It's like, yeah. you know, they just think it's out of their reach, you know, but it's, she's just, a, I'm just, I'm, I'm I'm proud of her. I'm so proud of her. my question then is, because I obviously wasn't here when this happened. Did she realize in the moment how exciting that was? Or did you have to point it out to her? Because of the whole thing I was talking about, about the baseline and like things yeah. like slow increments, like yeah. you get better over time. You don't realize. Oh, she, oh, she threw it. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, she fist pounded. There was like, I, I got it. You know, I'm just like, yes, okay, <laughs> you good. did. You know, like, but it's, you know, but yeah, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's, it's still that, you know, I think there's, there's a part of that's comparison, you know, and all that, but it's like, it's the safety of failure. It's a safety of yeah. failure, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just got to well, get there and do it. And that, if I'm, if I know a segue to the next podcast, if I, if I ever heard <laughs> one, that's the one. <laughs> yes. Because yes. I think we just determined that Dr. Lauren gets to come on the podcast uh, for the first time. Uh, yes. Yeah. Non, yeah. It would have been back when they were students, right? They, that was a long time. A long they, time ago. They've never been on here. Oh, that's right. It was Burris. Yeah, and, Burris and Brazen. Yeah, were. Brazen. That's right. Yeah. yeah. There we go. So, Perfect segue. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Carlo. Yes. I think it's time you take us out. Yeah. <laughs> I think so too. I don't know how long that was. There we go. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in with our new iteration here of Tuesdays in Carolina.